This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. This episode of Vet Candy is sponsored by Alanco Animal Health, makers of Ultra Duramune, a more comfortable vaccine. Welcome to another episode of Vet Candy's podcast in other news, a podcast to expand your idea of what's impacting veterinarians, the veterinary world, and all animal care professionals as humans. I'm your co-host, Dr. Jen. And I'm Dr. Jason Chatfield. And if you're not already a Vet Candy subscriber, why not? Please subscribe for free today at myvetcandy.com. And if you have any message that is filled with love and positivity, please send it to me at jen at myvetcandy.com. And for all other real messages, send them to me at jason at myvetcandy.com. So our topic today is clinical pathology. Had a little pause there, but in other news, ClinPath can be fun. What? I don't know about that. I don't know. ClinPath strikes uh, fear and and warning and all kinds of stuff, and most especially young veterinarians' minds. I don't know if we can make this fun. No, ClinPath is fun. So, because clinical pathology, where we look at the cells, we see what's going on. That's where our blood work runs into and cytology. Um, No? Sure, absolutely. That's exactly how I remember it. I don't know. Yeah, I loved it. But you know what? It doesn't matter if you remember it. I don't. <laughs> so it's good. <laughs> and it doesn't matter how well I remember it. Yeah. Because here in the Candyverse, you guys know what we're going to do. Yeah. We're going to bring in someone really smart. <laughs> we call them the expert. An expert. A yeah. ClinPath. Wait. Dare we say ClinPath guru yeah. is about to join us. Yeah. So we are going to welcome into the Candyverse today, Dr. Natalie yeah. Pep. Pep. Yeah, that's her. We have to ask her. She's the expert on her name for sure. She is also the expert on her last name. So, Dr. Natalie, welcome to Candyverse. Thank you. My name is Dr. Natalie Hep. <laughs> okay. Oh, wait. It's like in the South, if you're going to hep somebody. Oh. <laughs> you're going to bring a guest on and then tease her about her name. I like your name. It's great. Let's move on. Dr. Natalie Hep, Clint Pack Guru. Here we go. Okay. I'm, I'm going to sit back and learn some stuff. Okay, so... First of all, I think it's important for um, all of the news hounds to know that you did not begin your veterinary medical career when you graduated from vet school, did you? I did not. Oh. What? Yes, you did. So tell us I'm all. I'm super confused on that, but go ahead. I'll let you figure it yeah, out. Yeah, what did you do before you went to vet school? Before vet school, I worked a little bit with an ambulatory veterinarian who did large animal medicine. And then I went to veterinary technician school at Belray and I did a two-year tech degree and I worked in small animal emergency. And then I did an internship at a large equine practice and I never looked back. I stayed with equine. Whoa. <laughs> I worked as a technician, but I never, uh, you know, I didn't do the cool stuff like the letters and all that kind of stuff. You were, you were, that's real stuff right there. And then, yeah. and then what made you decide to go ahead and take the plunge into the, into the doctor world? Um, I ended up working at a veterinary school. So I had this assumption that I was not uh, cut out to be a veterinarian academically. And Uh, we call that. Yeah. So I think what that means is that perhaps 
Dr. Hep enjoyed undergrad. Yeah, a little, a little too much. We all enjoyed it. A little, a little too much. <laughs> so yeah, so so you weren't sure, but you but you did take the plunge. Good for you. I tell so many people who say, "Oh, I don't think I could get in." Just apply. Yeah, obviously, life was pushing you that way, anyways. You kind of ended up place to place to place, and oh my gosh, you ended up at a vet school of all things. So yeah. you almost you were obligated to apply. So congratulations, great. Moving on. Now what's happening? Now what are you doing? So now I work for Scopio Labs, and I'm a clinical pathologist. I read all of my cases digitally using our scanner, Ooh. which is very different and wonderful. <laughs> yeah, I, know. I don't so, know what that was. It was Halloween so, or something. So um, does that mean that you have to go into the office to read it? I do not. What? what? I know. What kind of world are we living in? What? I know. You probably didn't even go to class in school either, right? You did it all like through the videos and all this crazy stuff. Tell the truth. I think I was the last people who went to class. <laughs> uh, no, it's crazy now, right? They're yeah. like, what class? Sit in a room? What are you talking about? It's all like digital and all this I know. Stuff. All the lectures are virtual. recorded. I'm using the wrong word. Yeah, virtual. digital. Yeah. All, all the lectures are recorded. And so uh, I had a vet student tell me that now um, they don't go to lecture, but they get the recording and they watch it at double time. So yeah. number one, it only takes 25 minutes to go to class instead of 50. And number two, all the professors sound like Alvin the Chipmunk. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I know. I, and, and listen, we're, we're going way off topic here, but I like to do this. So, so I would have had, I would have been the opposite. I would have not gone to class, right? Mm-hmm. But then listen to the lectures half speed to make sure I kind oh, of got it, right? Half Double speed. speed. You guys yeah. are so smart, these young people. Anyways, yeah. we digress. All right, let's move on. Clean path is fun. Let's focus on that. Clean path is fun. So, yeah. So, um, what, what drew you to clean path then? Cause you had a lot of different experience, um, before you became a veterinarian. So did you go to, did you practice at all? So after vet school, I did my clinical year at Auburn. I'm a Ross University graduate. And then I went directly into residency. That's a path thing where you don't necessarily have to do an internship. And that was, I went to Missouri because my BFF was there. (laughs) And um, after that, I went into a large diagnostic reference lab and then back to academia for a little bit before Scopio. So Missouri residency. Yeah, fabulous. So, uh, you know, Dr. Natalie, that um, Dr. Jason and I have been to Ross. Oh, we did. It was just great fun. We loved it. It was great. We fact, loved it. We're trying to get back there. Shameless, think, so. shameless <laughs> plug to try to get us back to, to St. Kitts. We had a blast there. And it was so fun um, uh, interacting with the students. It's uh, It takes a special kind of mental fortitude. Yeah. To be successful, right? Um, at, at Ross. Yeah, Just, I eat. I couldn't do it. No, 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 no. Zero chance for me. Yeah. So, okay. So we already know she's tough. Yeah. But we kind of knew that because you were a technician. So like yeah. you have to be tough. So, okay. So, so then there you are in ClinPath and you're working with Scopio Labs. And so what, like, what, like, what kind of cases do you get? So the cool part about Scopio is I get emergency cases in a way that you didn't always get it in reference labs because I can read the case within an hour and I have access to the slides almost immediately as soon as they start scanning. So there's no transport or anything. So for example, today, right before speaking to you, I read a septic abdomen. So it brings me back to emergency again, which is a clinical pathologist. You can lose some of that because you're married to lab hours, but yeah, but that's crazy. Well, so emergency, so like, do they call you at 3 a.m. and you got to go pop on, look at your computer real quick and like do it all bleary eyed or whatever? That's it. Or someone's got to be around. Maybe not necessarily you, but they also have that ability to be emergency somewhere, right? Because yes. that's an emergency. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So we have um, 24-7 coverage, but that's because we have a big network that includes Europe. 
So you oh make a European clinical pathologist in the middle of the night instead of me, I hope. <laughs> well, that's, that's actually... That's smart. Delving off again, but that's super smart because then no one ha- everyone can sleep normal hours, right? Yeah. I don't know what the time shift is, but I'm sure that's why they do that. So very cool. All right. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. I'm, like, I'm still trying to wrap my brain around having access to a clinical pathologist. So, so that was a septic abdomen. So, because here's the thing. So like when, when you're, when you're in practice, sometimes it's tricky to know, like, when, when should I reach out and chat with a clinical pathologist? I mean, it's not tricky okay. for me. I do it. I do he it does all it every the time. To you. So on the septic abdomen, the minute I saw it, I knew. So I sent a chat to the clinician so they didn't have to wait on my report and told them what it was and said, working on the report and they had, they get answers in minutes. Wow. But that, so I, I guess, I guess what that does is allows for more, I guess, more involvement of, of ClinPath in my diagnostic workup. Um, if I can reach out to you right away, that's just incredible. And like, how, how kind of satisfying is that for you, um, as a clinical pathologist to kind of make that connection with that referring veterinarian and know that treatment is starting? I love it a lot <laughs> because <laughs> I liked clinical pathology, but I had also in veterinary school considered going into sort of direct medicine. I thought about doing large animal medicine. And so the clinical part of clinical pathology is really important to me. And this brings it directly to me in a way that I kind of didn't have before when people sent me glass slides and I would call through the clinic and get reception and someone would be busy. Yeah. yeah. That, wow. That, okay. That's pretty incredible. I didn't realize, I mean, we're familiar with Scopio. We made friends right. with Osher, yeah, right? Yeah. We talked with him um, about the innovative nature of, of what you guys do. But um, so, the, but the real thing that I wanted to um, get to chat with you about today is, you know, what, what are kind of the most common cases that you're seeing i mean if you say something related to public health you know that like i'll be happy brownie points for you yeah, yeah brownie right. points for me but uh you, you know like what kind of what kind of i guess what kind of samples are you do you get most often so we get hematology and cytology and at this time of year we're starting to see blood smear reviews because they're concerned about tick-borne disease and when you do a snap test for Ehrlichia anaplasmosis, if the patient is acutely ill and has a fever, thrombocytopenia, et cetera, the snap test will be negative during that acute phase. But you can, that's exactly the time you can see the morula within neutrophils on blood smears. Oh, how exciting is that? It would be super handy to have a ClinPath right there in your, in your clinic, but most people don't have that. But oh my gosh, they have you. Wait, oh, it's the same wait, thing. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Do you know what a morula is? No, I have no idea. <laughs> Zero idea, but I know it's not supposed to be there. If, I need someone to say that's not supposed to be there. It's not supposed to be there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't Thanks know either. Question, by the way. I know. It's, I know it's, it's just some stage of the uh, parasite, right? Like it's hanging out. Rickettsial bacteria are in a little packet or a morula. And it oh, looks sort oh. of like a berry Again, within a the nutrition. A little packet they call the morula. That's what I said. That's the packet. Oh Got gosh. it. The packet. I love it. No, I, I really loved um, cytology when, when we were in vet school. Um, I just am not sure that I was particularly good at it, but I loved <laughs> it. I, I did. And so, so when you get something like something that like with tick-borne disease, disease, when you, when say, you say that the snap, snap test could be, be um, negative, negative, is that because most of those snap tests, are they looking at antibodies versus antigen? Correct. Correct. Oh, yeah. did you hear Anna Jen? Yeah. Anna Jen. Right. He loves Jen. Anna Jen. And that's just a time factor, right? So that's what we're talking about. It is. Because the body takes, um, you know, what? what is it, like a couple weeks before it's kicking out antibodies? Yeah. Um, so clinical disease, negative tests, you're kind of caught in the middle. 
You got to see and, the bug. And we, we got to get someone to look at it and see it. And that's when you guys come. So that's actually really cool. So you can save the day, right? That's really cool. Yes. That case, we did save the day. That dog had a little bit of lymph node enlargement, and they submitted the lymph nodes, and they were non-diagnostic. And the pathologist in real time sent a chat and said, do you have a blood smear? And then we got it. Wow. Wow. I love it. Okay, so uh, we're going to take a very short break because you guys know we have to, even though we live in the candyverse, we have to pay bills. And uh, on the other side of that, we're going to hear about her most exciting case from this week. All right, so hang with us. We'll see you on the other side. When it comes to vaccines, you have a choice. Keep it clean with Ultra Duramune. These highly purified half-milliliter dose vaccines are designed to minimize the reactions associated with unwanted proteins and reduce discomfort. Keep the good, clean fun going with Ultra Duramune. Learn more at elanco.us. Oh, sure. It's all fun and games until someone ends up in a cone. That's right. We are animals. Deal with it. Pet Life Radio. Live life unleashed. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Uh, thanks for hanging with us. So we are learning today in the Candyverse that Clint Path is fun. I'm learning about Morulus. And Jason, yep. Dr. Jason is learning about the packet yep. that the bacteria come in. Sure. Hey, FYI, I'm learning too. I didn't really know. <laughs> <laughs> but if, so if you don't know, ask me, right? Yes. Okay, so you don't have to answer. Ah. If you ever don't know, yeah. ask the question because oh they never God. look at the right. Dr. Hep, would you agree? They never look to the person who asked the question to answer it, right? Yeah. <laughs> Learn all kinds of stuff here. Uh, I mean, these are tips. So. These are tips. Okay, so we did promise the Candyverse that you would talk about your most exciting case. So um, what what do you got for us? My most exciting case ever. Oh. Ooh, <laughs> ever. Was I looked at a case that was cytology from a tongue mass in a dog. And I got it and thought, what what are these? They were round, greenish, brown things in it, which... Is, I, that, is that the technical class? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And was it Morula? It wasn't Morula. No. It wasn't Morula. And I have a history that this dog had had these masses biopsy before, which is unusual to biopsy first. And on biopsy, they'd been called blastomyces. But what I was seeing was really not blastomyces. <laughs> and I called the client and they said that the tongue masses were green. Oh wow. my gosh, that's nasty. It sounds gross all the way around. So, so the dog had green bumps. On his tongue. Yeah, it was found during a dental. There was what? It was found, found during, during the dental. dental? Yeah. So, so it was like on the back of the tongue? Like, so, so many questions. Like, did the dog lick the owner with that tongue? Yeah, and how many times? Oh, yikes. Oh. Okay. So, so like, what happened? When I saw the green, I thought there's not a lot of options here when something looks grossly, as the pathies like to say, green. But there's one uh, thing called chlorella, which is an algae, and it's reported rarely in large animals. I I don't think I've seen it reported in dogs. I'm sure there's one out there in the literature and there's not really a good way to test for it either. So I had to wing it a little bit. I said, I think this is probably chlorella. I don't have a test and let's retest for blasto. And the dog was blasto neg- negative using the urine test. And so we had a presumptive diagnosis of chlorella in the tongue of a dog. And there's some thought that maybe they get it from like a traumatic inoculation. And the dog was like a known 
pond swimmer. So we never did figure out exactly how the dog got it. <laughs> the dog was a, a known pond swimmer, right? Right. Okay, then. So, like, are we pre- really presuming? Little, hold on, a little, a little information for the Canyonverse. Doctor Jen is also a known pond swimmer, so maybe <laughs> we should check her tongue. Out I don't have green. Though, right? I don't have green bumps on my tongue. But um, okay, so so you just said that it's an a traumatic inoculation is required typically for this algae to set up residence in the tissue, right? That's what's speculated as far as how these get anywhere. But that would mean like he mm-hmm. like he licked something that scraped the crap out of his tongue and that stuck the algae in there and then it just bloomed and like grew and made these green bumps. Okay, so the more important question Have you written the paper yet? Right. Oh <laughs> yeah. Now have, there will be one in the literature. Yeah. Um no, but really, uh actually there's two questions I have left, which are um and I know the new news hounds, I know you're already thinking it. No one just wants to ask it. Did this dog lick its owner routinely? Because that's kind of gross. I I think yes, probably. (laughs) And as far as why it got chlorella, so (laughs) there's no real treatment for it. And this dog, it turned out, became ill soon after. And because I'm a pathologist, I always offer a bad outcome. (laughs) 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 Dog ended up having hemangiosarcoma that no one knew about. And so I have no idea if that was immunosuppressing him. Yeah. So like maybe, yeah, like the algae was able to grow in the tongue and set up because his immune system was in the tank because of the hemangiosarc. We call that, um, the technical term in general practice is bad juju. Yeah, bad juju. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, I must say, um, I had, I thought there was potential. I had overhyped your most exciting case. I don't, no. I, I don't think that no, happened. That's very cool. Actually. I don't think that happened. Yeah. That was, that's a really cool case. Um, so, so I do have another question for you though. Um, because when I'm, um, working in relief and general practice, so two things. Um, do you guys look at urine? Like, will you do urine cytology? We will. It needs to be a stained and dried sediment instead of a wet mount. Oh, okay. Okay. So first I have to spin it and then get the pellet and then stain it, let it dry. I can't just send you a vial of urine and say, tell me what's wrong with this dog. You don't send that's, it to her. That's how I do stuff. Oh, yeah, you can't. That's the whole point, right? Guys, I'll get caught up in a minute. Okay. Right. Candyverse, do not begin sending yeah. vials of urine <laughs> to Dr. Epps. House. I mean, you can't. Oh, it's your house. You don't do that. Oh, so, uh, and then my other question is, do you, do you work on cases not dogs and cats or horses and cows? Yes. As a clinical pathologist, we're typically non-denominational, if you will. And we have um, exotics that get submitted the same way if it's a sort of a pet bird, et cetera, and it's an exotics pa- practice. Uh-huh. Wow. Okay. Yeah, you kind of you can't just get a blank slide. You got to know because some of the stuff I, I remember looks a little bit different. Right? Yeah. Some of the blood looks a little bit different. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. All right. So, um, but I got so I got to. I mean, you you're totally protected from any zo- potential zoonotic disease infection from your cases. Well, <laughs> which is good. I mean, don't not yeah huge yes, 100%. yeah percent huge bonus right yeah. right there. But like us regular practitioners. We're like in the hot seat for that. Thank you very much, Dr. Hep. Thank you. Yep. Yeah. No <laughs> we'll fill that seat. Yeah. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. 
So listen, tell us about uh, working from home. Was it hard? Was it easy? Was it something you could get used to? Because I'm telling you what, when I went to vet school, I never thought, I'm taking this job and this career path so I can work from my living room. That's just not what yeah. kind of goes through anybody's mind here. No. Uh, but it seems like you got the best of all the worlds here. Yeah, and I'm sort of selected out already because I agreed to work in a lab after vet school, which most people aren't really down for. Right. But right. Exactly. I, I had reservations about working at home. It's just I had a very long commute before and wasn't seeing my young son very much. And actually with Scopio, they were nice enough to get me an office in a clinic that I use. And so that's good to have that separate space. Yeah, so I you thought I would go, go there. there every day and be all structured and organized. But then I realized some mornings I wasn't really getting out the doors fast. Maybe working at home wasn't so bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure like everything else, working from home is a learned skill. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm not sure like most things I would not be able to learn it very well. Mm-hmm. So good for you. Yeah. So, yeah. Very cool. I think that's interesting. And so um we we really uh I we weren't joking earlier when we said um how much we loved our um time when we went to visit Ross University. Oh, Ross was fantastic. There's all kinds of cool stuff down there. I know. Right? And so like so for some of the news hounds in the Candyverse who may not be aware, Ross University, um the the veterinary school is actually um in the Virgin Islands on St. Kitts. Yeah. And so the reason I like I didn't even apply there because I, I would have flunked out because I would have been the tannest like happiest flunky ever. I would have just lived on the beach. Yeah. Um, and it turns out when we went, that's pretty much what I did. Yeah, that's what you did. Mm-hmm. You drove me yeah. out there and, and was going. But what's really cool about Ross is, okay, this is going to sound terrible. There's a lot of cool things about Ross. There. And we'll let you talk about it in a minute. But we love Ross. We're going to talk about it. So when you go there, right, they, they have the hurricane. It was worried about hurricanes. Yeah. Here, but they actually have a line of path to follow in case of tsunami, right? I was terrified. Yeah, I was the like, evacuation the, route. Well, how much warning do I get with it? They got to run up the mountain here? This is crazy. But they had a line to follow. Yeah. So they got all the bases covered. So OSHA would yeah. be very happy. Yeah. So what, so what was your experience at Ross? Were you, were you glad you went there? Yes. And I went there a little bit later in my life at the age of 30 after having worked for a long time. So even though I did give in to the island atmosphere at the beginning, I did pull it together and it's, it's a lot of hard work there and it's not the easiest to live there. You, you get to the other side of it a little more resilient than you were before because you have to get used to the power going out during your talks final. Or <laughs> one final morning we woke up and got in the car at 5 a.m. to make sure we got there and had a flat tire. And it was just like a normal thing. We could all change a tire. The power went out and no one went, oh, it was just like quiet. <laughs> so that was what was good about it. You get to the other side of it and clinics are kind of like, yep, I've already been working really hard for a long time. <laughs> And that's actually what um, Jason and I, um, after after we'd been there and engaged with the students that were there and, and some of the faculty and stuff, was just really like the the confidence that yeah, it doesn't really matter whatever tomorrow has, I'm yeah. ready. Yeah, from you, you from the students. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's incredible. And resilience is that word because if you can go to literally go to an island, leave everybody you know, and go into graduate school, and it's one of the well, I haven't been to any other graduate it's the programs, most difficult but graduate school I've been. To. Yeah, it's That's the most difficult sure. one I've been to. And be successful, then pretty much, you know, an arresting dog, like you know, in your first year of practice, a dog arrests on the table. You're you're kind of ready yeah. for that. You know, you're resilient. You can handle it. So. Yeah, that's yeah, a so good word. Yeah, so it's good for a Pass. So just send me whatever you want. Send me a picture, a digital copy of slide. I will solve your problem because I went to Ross and I put up with everything. So it's really good. I the life is good. So very good. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I think it's fantastic. So um, so then, so I have I have one more question. 
Just just one more? This is I a do. miracle. It's usually 40 more. I do. Well, it's like, because well, I, you know, I like the superlatives, right? So I asked you about your most exciting case. And, um, but, and if you saw like things besides dogs or cats. But so I, I'm interested to know, do you think that general practitioners utilize a, like a ClinPath referral often enough? Like, what's your sense of it? Meaning, do they send out or, Assuming not Scopio, do they need a clinical pathologist to look at their yeah. samples often enough? Yeah, just Is in that, general, do, do yeah, they recognize the value, right? <laughs> yeah. So what, like, what, you think so? <laughs> I think it's a good question because a lot of them, if they're like, I think this is a lipoma, they're going to look at them themselves. Yeah. yeah. Or this might be a mast cell tumor and they look themselves. What I've found, because I wondered about general practitioners and point of care testing, which is what we're doing, which goes great in refurgency, but is a GP going to use it? Once they have it, they start using it. Like once you explain, you can do blood smear review, I can do platelet estimate. And they, I think they like to have the report for the client. Like, no, I wasn't kidding. It's a mast cell tumor. What Dr. Hev is saying is, no, they don't use it near enough. That's <laughs> what I'm hearing very too. Nice. They don't, because maybe they don't realize, but you're right. We kind of sometimes go in and oh, that's a lipoma. I've been doing this for a hundred years. Check it. Oh, definitely. Even though it could be something else, you know, sometimes it's just human nature, right? So, so yeah. I think it's good to know that, hey, and now it exists real time, point of care. It's a much better thing than sending it. It's, 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 it was an effort, right? Oh. Get the sample, send it off, remember it's coming back, get the report, call it. Now it's like bam, 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 right there. I think this is really good. And right? the, but owners too. So, yeah, any reports? I, like I, the owner would have to come back in. If, if you recommend removal of the mask, we can just schedule that up right now. Now, right? Like, yeah. You know, and they're doing the dental and you look in the back of that dog's mouth and you see green bumps. I mean, I don't want to really, I don't really want to wait for that right. because I've been doing a dental. What if I didn't have a mask on? And yeah, what if, what's going on. Yeah. I kind of want to know what the green bumps are. Did, didn't I say earlier that Natalie saved the day? I'm telling you, did. But again, you did. we're talking about how she saved the day. So you know, know. enjoy your coffee in the morning because you're still saving the day drinking coffee. I know. I think that's just incredible. I think that's just incredible. So, well, um, Dr. Jason, do you have, do you have any other burning yes, questions? I do. Can, can someone spell Morula for me? Can someone, someone spell that? Or no, is that too much? We just need to just be able to pronounce it, right? Look, okay. I'll folks. look it up. I'll, I'll look it up. I'll yes. take it. I'll, I'll, do you I'll know take what? it up. There's Google, like tell Dr. Hep, there's Google for that, right? No, what? I thought Google is what the clients use to tell me how to do my job. No, 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 sorry, sorry, sorry. no, no, so. no, no. Yeah. So if there's one thing that you could tell, um, general practitioners today, if you like, God, I wish every GP would know this. What might that be? See, a superlative. See, a superlative. I would tell them that blood smear review remains standard of care for interpretation. Oh, so we should be making the smear and estimating the platelets and looking at the cells. Can't oh, we, can't we just use her? We just send it to, like send it to, to Natalie. Just send it to Natalie. <laughs> send it to Dr. Hap. All right. I love it. On the bottom screen, we're going to give you her home address and phone numbers yes, and everything. That's like right. Email, everything's coming to you, okay? That's right. It's all coming to her, including vials of urine yes, from vials Jason. Yes, so. Yeah. No, uh, we're, we're kidding. We're not going to do that. Please, this is not a challenge, Candyverse. Don't do it. Don't do it. Um, well, I think this has been an incredible conversation. Always is. Oh, wait. I did, I did have one more. <laughs> Dr. Hap. What did I tell you? What? Is your favorite cell? Red blood cell, hands down. Look at, oh. do you see you? So we had a discussion before, before like we started this podcast and, and Jason was like, she's not going to have one. I'm like, you watch. Yep. She's going to be like, no I hesitation. Some political edge. Like, oh, I think they're all interesting <laughs> and they all got their qualities. I'm like, oh, okay. So why hands down red blood cell? 
So most people gravitate towards the pretty cells like the eosinophil or whatever. And a red blood cell, it doesn't have a nucleus. It doesn't have granules. It's just a bag of cytoplasm. And it does everything. It's a workhorse, right? True. <laughs> it, it does. Okay, I like that. It's it doesn't like have me. a brain. Yeah. Oh, careful. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> just bland, but the workhorse. Right, it doesn't have a brain, no okay. nucleus, right. right? Just a bag of cytoplasm. <laughs> but it does everything, is what she said. I love it. It does, it does. It's like a clinical pathologist who's in their basement in their t-shirt trying to help you. That's out right. on a case. That is exactly right. So um, this Halloween, look for uh, Dr. Natalie Hepp's costume. It'll be on sale in the Walmart. Yep, yep. <laughs> It'll be in a red blood cell. <laughs> okay. No, but but really, um, thank you so much for joining us in the Candyverse and for once again making ClinPath fun. Always fun. That's fantastic. Um, I love it. And um, yeah, well, they can find you at Scopio Labs. Um, if you guys haven't Googled them and checked them out, check them out. Yep. Um, and I guess I guess that's it. So signing off from the cottage, I'm Dr. Jen. Yep. And from right next door in the cottage, I'm Dr. Jason. All right. We'll see you guys on the next episode of In Other News. Let's Talk Pets. Every week on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com.